welcome to the Real Issue Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, last week we uh, talked about uh, some very interesting subjects, and my wife and I were talking this week about possibly having her on either next week or some week in February. We've been busy wrapping up Christmas and wrapping up some things, hopefully uh, with a, a possible transition happening in our family. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into detail right now about that, but what I want to do today is I want to address the subject matter of my blog this past week. This past week, I posted a blog. Some of you who read the Real Issue uh, blog, or you go to RobLundbergApologetics.com, you'll see that I posted a blog that said, Why Ignoring Apologetics Creates a Lack of Interest That Hurts the Church. What I want to do today is I want to deal with the fact of the opposition of apologetics being a means of discipleship. You know, many people today, they go and they look at apologetics and say, why do I need to defend my faith? You know, why do I need to just just love Jesus? Just go out and, and share the gospel with people. You know, all those things are noble. All those things are biblical. All those things are good. But whenever you run into somebody who might be skeptical, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, this past week in a, uh, in a Skype visit and please I want you to understand that we do not negate the inner witness of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer you know many people are you know are young believers they've come to faith in Christ they've come to understand that Jesus loves them they come to repent of their sins and that's as far as basically they take it and when you think of that, whenever they go out and they start sharing their faith with somebody and they run into somebody who has no intention of believing what they believe, that's where apologetics comes in. So my thinking is that the person, the believers are not sharing their faith to where they go and experience the need of apologetics and hence they ignore it. And when they ignore it, they lack interest in it. So I'm I'm not going to get into the eight things in that, but some of these that I want to share with you today will dovetail. You know, one of the things that, you know, you think of somebody going and saying, well, you know, apologetics, the word apologetics is not in the Bible. Well, neither is the word trinity. The, the trinity, the word trinity is not there, but we, we know that the Bible discloses God as triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And at the same time, apologetics is also in the Bible, but it, the word apologetics is not there. You know, we have uh, sometimes people going and misunderstanding the meaning of apologetics, you know, thinking it's arguing somebody into the kingdom of heaven. It's far from that. It's far from that. You know, if you really think about it, you will defend what you are interested in. You know, this past weekend, we've got the the NFL playoffs, and of course some of you might have a favorite team, and you'll be going out there and you'll be giving your defense for why you believe such a team will make it all the way to the Super Bowl. You know, um, my wife and I, we're, we're sports fans, and you know, we watch the playoffs even though our dog might not be in the fight. I know mine is not, and my wife's is playing this afternoon with her, you know, the Houston Texans, but you know, we can be optimistic, we can be realistic too in the fact that our team is not going to get 
as far as it is, but it's still a great team. And of course, you and I will will make a defense, or we'll make a give a reason why we believe our team is the best team in whatever sports league it is. As I just mentioned, Trinity. The, the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, but it it discloses the Trinity is disclosed in the Bible. And of course, if you look at the Word apologetics, you know, God has shared with you that, well, you know, it doesn't mean arguing somebody into the kingdom of heaven, but apologetics is broken down, the word apologetics is broken down essentially into two parts. The first part is the root word logia, which is the word for word. It's the word logos, which means a word. The word apo is the prefix. The, the prefix, prefix apo is, is, in this context, back or after, and it literally means, in a literal sense, to give an answer back. So that's what apologetics essentially is. It's giving an answer back to the objection of why Christianity, and giving a reason back on why Christianity is true. In other words, it's it's making a case. You know, and many people today, as I, you'll, you'll go to, if you go to the the blog post, you know, we ignore the fact that the Bible talks about apologetics, it discloses apologetics, it gives examples of apologetics all the way from Genesis to the Revelation. Where we get that word basically is from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, which says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart and be ready always to give a reason for the hope that you have with, with gentleness and respect. It's also found in passages like Acts 25:16, Acts 19:33, Acts 21:1, 1 Corinthians 9:3, Philippians 1:7, Philippians 1:16, Second Timothy 4:16 is essentially 19 passages where we see apologetics. But also, if you really look at the very first verse of the Bible, you would see that apologetics is even there when Moses, who come out of a polytheistic society of Egypt, is going to be the deliverer of children of Israel. And what does he say? He says, in the beginning, one God, but he uses the word Elohim, which is plural, and bara is the third person singular. How do you match a plural noun with a with a, uh, a plural noun with a singular third person verb? That might be an evidence of an early disclosure, but not proof of a triune God. But that's never you know that's up for debate. <clears throat> Excuse me. As far as that is concerned, now someone might say Jesus never engaged in apologetics. Really. Uh, uh, you haven't read the Gospels, if that's the case. We read in the Gospels that Jesus engaged in giving responses to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And think with me for a moment, if you will, when Jesus was confronted with a loaded question. Uh, that loaded question is in Matthew 22 about paying taxes. When you talk about Jesus and, and taxes, he goes and he asks whose image is on the coin. And they say, well, Caesar's. Well, render to Caesar what is Caesar, and render to God what is God's. Now, the loaded question, when I talk about a loaded question, Jesus was asked a question where there was only like one, you know, one answer, maybe two possible answers instead of instead of a third answer. And of course, going back to this question on the on paying taxes, if Jesus had said yes, it's okay to pay taxes, the poll tax was actually for the persecution and the oppression of the Jews, and Jesus of the of Jesus being Jewish 
would have gone and been affirming, if you will, the persecution of his own people. If he said no, then the Romans would have got him. And of course, I think the Sadducees knew this. And, you know, they did not, they did not want him around. So what they did was they tried to set up a loaded question, and that's where the yes or no answer actually has a third answer. And when he goes and he says, whose image is on the coin? Whose image is on the coin? And and people say Caesar. So when he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God. Folks, that's, that's a type of apologetics that Jesus was doing. He's also talking to them about the whole idea of the Pharisees, talking about the Moses and the law and the fact of the Sabbath. He's going and, and giving a, a answer for that as well. You know, when we talk about apologetics as well, we are dealing with this whole idea of giving a gentle and reasonable answer. We're going back and responding gently because sugar is better than salt or vinegar. Whenever you start going and answering people's questions, you know, you can go and answer a question with a question. You can go and ask a question in order to try and get clarification. But when we see that apologetics is biblical and we see that Jesus even did apologetics, you know, we um, really have to look at apologetics from a biblical perspective. There's a second one I want to bring in here, too is the fact that the Sadducees denied the resurrection. And getting back to Jesus, getting back to Jesus doing apologetics, we look at we look at Matthew 22 again, and Jesus answered and said to them, you're mistaken not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God. They were asking him a question about the resurrection because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And when you think of that, that he's being asked a question about something that they don't believe. You can think of it from the perspective of talking to atheists today. The Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. They're asking Jesus about the resurrection. How many times you and I can get involved in a conversation with somebody where they do not believe what you and I believe? Jesus gives this example. He asks a question with a question. And he also tells them, in this case, these folks were religious people, that they were anti-supernaturalists, if you will, and he says, you're mistaken not understanding the scriptures of the power of God, for in the resurrection there's neither, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like, like simile here, like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, you have, not read, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? He says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's using the present indicative in these passages, which means that this, we have a natural mortality here, that there is an afterlife. There, there is something beyond this life. And, it's, and Jesus says, he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Now, time does not allow me to go any further with this, but there are other places where we see Jesus giving an answer back and a reasoned response. I think of like John chapter 8 with the with the woman caught in adultery. And, and of course, you know, if you look at the Old Testament, you're thinking, well, Rob, you're just dealing with the Gospels and with Jesus. What about the Old Testament? Well, I'm glad you asked because the Old Testament is also showing examples where giving an answer back or studying answers to be able to give a defense for why you believe what you believe are also in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we see some practical examples like God and Moses in Exodus 4, verses 1 through 9. 
we see Aaron and Moses before Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 7, verse 8 and verse 13. We see Moses by himself in Exodus 7, 17 to 12, 30 with, uh, with, the, with the plagues. We see Elijah versus the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel in First Kings chapter 18. And we also see God responding to Israel when he says, Come now, let us reason together. And even God through the mouth of Isaiah in Isaiah 48 verses 3 through 5, and as well as other places. So just from a few examples that we can see apologetics, which is giving a reasoned defense it is a biblical idea. It is, it is a biblical discipline. It is something that the, the first century Christians were called to, and you and I are called to today. You know, just from these examples, you know, I want to challenge you with this. Now, the discipline is one that defends itself. The apologetics discipline is one that defends itself. Now, what do I mean by that? You know, uh, for those who want to challenge and disagree with the fact that apologetics is relevant, you're going to have to find yourselves giving a reasonable defense why you don't believe that apologetics is relevant. Now, what is apologetics? Again, it's giving a reason or a defense of why you believe something. What you're going and doing is you're contradicting yourself and saying that it, it does not uh, line up with Scripture. Well, it does. It lines up with Scripture. It also lines up with good sound reasoning. When we come back from this quick break here, I want to go and give you some practical things to think about. So we're going to go to a commercial. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hello, this is Rob Lundberg from The Real Issue Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this show this week. We'd like to ask you to do us a favor and go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever platform you're listening to, and give a review. Give us five stars and help us move up the review scale so people will get more exposure to The Real Issue Podcast and The Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. We'll be more than happy to share with you more about what the show is all about and what our ministry is all about. Also, be sure to subscribe to The Real Issue Podcast so you'll be able to listen to more shows and get more equipped as we go out to give our world heaven. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. What in the world is a two-decision Christian? Well, I think most of us uh, understand what a one-decision Christian is. We make a decision to trust Christ for our salvation. And most of us who are Christians uh, would, would say we've done that. Um, the, the problem, I think, is, though, that we, we have a sense that it, is it really that, is that it? Uh, and is that really a, a, helping us to have an impact on our culture? And I think most of us would say that we feel bad that we do not share our faith as much as we ought to. In other words, we feel like we're not as good of an evangelist as we should be. Yeah. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 that some of you are pastors, some of you are teachers, some of you are evangelists, which means some of you aren't any of those things. Some of you aren't even good at those. They're not part of the wiring that I've given you, that God has given us. Uh, but we have a duty to do those things yeah. even though we're not great at them. 
And so why are we beating ourselves up over something that we may not be great at? But Peter in 1 Peter 3 has got a little different approach. He doesn't say some of you need to be ready to give a reason for the hope you have. Yeah. He says all of you need to be ready. That's not an option for us. So we, we can say, well, I, I can be, I mean, I'm not a great apologist, but I mean, a great uh, evangelist, but I really don't need to work at that because, you know, Billy Graham, he's called to that kind of thing. Well, guess what? We're not off the hook when it comes to being a case maker. We're all called to be case makers. He doesn't say some of you are, mm -hmm. all of us are. And that's the second decision we have to make. And I think if you don't make that decision, a decision to trust Christ and then to make a case for what you believe about Christ, I think you're living an abbreviated Christian life. Mm -hmm. And that life is, you're saved, I get all that, but are you really able to make the kind of cultural impact? Are you able to help your students, your young kids, when they go to college to be able to resist the offerings of the world, which are often going to be opposed to the Christian worldview? Are you really able to have any kind of impact you might have had if you'd have made the second decision to do what Peter ends up telling us we all are supposed to do anyway? We really have to get to a place where we are two-decision Christians. I think if we can make that decision, that second decision, we will change the world with the truth we already hold to begin with. Hello, this is Rob Lundberg from the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. If someone were to ask you why Christianity was true or why you were a Christian without giving your testimony, would you be able to give an answer for the hope that is within you? At the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry, we train you to be able to give an articulate answer as to why Christianity is true through workshops, training seminars, and open forum question and answer sessions. If you would like more information about how we can help you, call us at 540-424-2305 or email us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. Let us go out and change this culture, giving them the gospel, but more if so, be able to give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Issue Podcast, the podcast arm of the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry, Rob Lundberg, Apologetics.com, and the Virginia Center for Public Christianity. We'll talk more about you, the Virginia Center for Public Christianity as it develops. As our culture gets more and more skeptical, as more and more people are finding themselves with questions 
with regards to social issues, we are looking to possibly create a resource with the Virginia Center for uh, Public Christianity in that uh, we want to be able to talk about matters of faith. We want to talk about matters of God's existence. We want to talk about matters of finding meaning and purpose in life as far as through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how that actually fleshes itself out in a growing more secular culture. You know, when we talk about the statistics of people walking away, those folks uh, that are walking away are, are your kids. Those are the kids that are calling up the parents during the semester break and say, Mom, Dad, I don't believe this stuff anymore. I don't believe what you taught me anymore about Jesus and God and all this other stuff because what my professor is saying is making more sense. If you don't think apologetics is necessary now, wow, watch out. You know, the fact that the statistics are there and about we're talking about 75 to 80% of the kids walking away. That's because of lack of discipleship. And then also, my wife and I are finding out, after my daughter come back from Summit, that some of her friends that her she is interacting with on Facebook Instant Messenger are trying to find the relevancy of apologetics because that was an apologetics two-week worldview conference. And these kids are coming back and they're feeling lost. So my wife and I are actually providing a resource for these kids to be able to call contact us through instant message and be able to help them with some of the questions that they may have or the, some of the questions that they may run into that might not have uh, sunk in. And also, uh, we're ignoring the fact, you know, as I just shared with you in the previous section, that we're ignoring the fact that Scripture commands us and demonstrates for us how, that we need to defend our faith and the very fact that you and I give reasons to why we believe what we believe about other things. But, you know, the culture is becoming more and more secular. And the culture is demanding you and I to give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. You know, as the culture grows more and more skeptical, do not be surprised if you do run into a person that has never heard the name of Jesus or has no intention on believing what you and I believe. You know, people refuse to believe because to do so without having reasons is 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 blind and, and of course you know why should i believe christianity is true if i don't have reasons to believe it you know this the whole idea is just have faith just having faith is not going to do it i could have faith that gravity doesn't exist and i don't see anybody rising up into the atmosphere but uh, i could say that i don't have faith that i will uh, float in, in water, and, and of course I could sink like a rock because I had lack of faith. Of course, you know, that's when you start getting into the prosperity gospel and everything, and, you know, that's problematic in and of itself. So, you know, we have to have reasons to believe what we believe because if we don't, uh, you know, I, I forget, I think it was Augustine that said, an unexamined faith. It was some one one of the great philosophers. I mentioned it in in my post that the unexamined uh, life is a life not worth living. And I will take that even further to say that an unexamined faith is a faith not worth believing. 
And then also the reason why we had apolog have apologetics as well is because there's a lot of stuff coming in the church. We don't just have the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses coming and, and knocking at our door. We don't just have the New Age ideologies floating around in medicine and business and, and all these other things. We have to have good reasons for why we live out our Christian faith, plain and simple. And that's why apologetics is is really, really important. You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff coming in the church, like the New Apostolic Reformation. It isn't just the prosperity gospel anymore. It's the New Apostolic Reformation, and it's coming in through the music. It's coming in through a, a, a shoddy view of how to interpret Scripture. You know, our pastor John uh, this morning uh, in the message preached a good message and talked about exegesis, drawing out of the text what the text means, and instead of reading into what the text, giving our own presuppositions to what the text is, what the text is saying. And we need to understand <laughs> that you can't make the, make the Bible's you can't put yourself in the Bible as far as you're not David, you're not you're not um, uh, Samuel or Samson, you're not Moses, you're not Jesus even. You know, don't wrap yourself in the meaning of the text because that's a faulty hermeneutic as well. But you know, the, our our culture's a mess, the church is a mess, and this is why we need apologetics. And I mentioned before that I was going to give you some practical things to think about, and I want to do that right now. First off, you know, we've seen that apologetics is in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and, and that's where we see, you know, the likes of Paul and the likes of Jesus defending, uh, defending uh, the, the truth of God by asking and answering questions and challenges that were brought to him by the teachers of the law, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You know, there's plenty of examples in Scripture, but that being said, I believe that it's something that every believer needs to be involved in. As you heard Jay Warner Wallace in the in the commercial that you know there's a thing called the two de, two decision Christian. You know the one decision Christian is the fact that you heard him say that you know you accept Jesus Christ, you repent of your sins, you ask God to forgive you, you invite Christ into your life, you confess Jesus Christ with Lord in your with your mouth, and you believe. Uh, in him that he is resurrected in your heart and you know when you take the and trust Christ that's the first decision now you have to learn to grow and this is why we believe discipleship is an aspect uh, or apologetics is an aspect of discipleship you know in a good place you, know, you might be be wondering you know Rob well how can that be done you know, how do we do that well, you could start off, a good place to start, uh, not just by reading the Bible. You know, it, it's important to read the Bible. You know, we need to read the Bible. We need to fill our minds and our hearts and our, and our, our spirit with the Word of God. And that should be a steady diet. But the Christian must also, you know, um, study outside sources, too, you know, as far as uh, ways to make a defense, of why Christianity is true, and this great amount of resources book, you can go to the real, you can go to my website, and you can go to the links, and you have a whole bunch of resources that you can go to, that will be able to help you in uh, finding resources to be able to 
go to those re those resource links and also uh, I have some books that I might be open to selling if you want to talk about that I, I have some doubles or duplicate books that we can go and we can provide for you and uh, be able to help you that will help you understand the culture in which you live but if you go to my link page you'll see all kinds of things like apologetics.org uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, Be Thinking, Cold Case Christianity, CrossExamine.org, and a whole bunch of other websites out there that we provide for you, as well as a book list. You can go to my resources link, and you would find that uh, if you tap, if you click on resources, you would see that there's a resource books list and all that. You know, so reading the Bible, getting good resources, getting some, getting some things into your hand, also. There are some folks out there who are misinformed, thinking that apologetics does not work in our culture, and all that we need to do is just share the word. I have a separate blog post on that, where I deal with Isaiah fifty-five eleven, I believe it is, where you know talk about sharing the word and it will not return void. Folks, that's not an evangelism passage, but you know when you think about it, if you go out and you start sharing your faith. Let me challenge you to target one person this week and go out and try and share the gospel with them and see how it goes. I think you'll find out if you know this person and they know you and you start sharing John 3.16, John 3.3, 3, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 10.9 and 10, Romans 10.13, the Roman road. You know, if you go and you start sharing that with this person, you're going to run into some questions, and they're going to start asking you questions that you may not have answers for. But see, this is where the opportunity is for you to go home and study and even contact us because we can help you get those answers and put those answers together so that you can go and be able to articulate a good, solid Christian response to them and be loving and ultimately point them and lead them, hopefully, if the Lord allows it, you'll be able to lead them to Jesus. You know, at the same time, there are other arenas where apologetics has its place. You know, we live in a time where things like religious pluralism and relativism are very much in vogue today. Questions on science and philosophy. You know, there are debates that are at the forefront of our culture today on marriage and gender and all of these things. But you know, I believe God is the only true God, and truth is what it is. It is absolute, and it is T-R-U-T-H. It is the truth because it corresponds to reality. But the questions of our culture, you know, have not changed. Have you ever thought of that? Over the years, our questions in our culture have not changed. But it's, it, you know, they have not changed, but it's the way that the questions are articulated and also how our answers have to come across today in the culture is what is different. And that is where you and I have to really place our focus. You know, they may not start in the Bible. That's okay. But the goal is to get them to the Bible. And if you get them to the Bible and get them to the gospel, you're, you're on your way to being a biblical apologist for uh, the biblical defender of the faith. Because, you know, if you go to Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul went to Athens. He was there at the, with the, at the 
at the what I call the Greek Spit and Whittle Club of Mars Hill, and he's there, and he sees all these idols, he sees all these altars, and he sees one off tucked in the corner somewhere to an unknown god. He says, that what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, that the god who made the world and everything in it is not a god who was made with human hands, but a god who is transcendent. And, of course, you know, you can read the rest of that. You know, the best place would be to start with the Bible, start with your biblical edification, if you will. And if you and I are to read and study the Bible apologetically, if you were to look at the Bible, look at the, the background context of, say, like the Gospels, if you look at the encounters of, that Jesus has and, and look at how and why he answers the questions the way that he answers them, it'll give you some pointers as far as how to be able to answer questions Jesus's way using Jesus's apologetics and you know without the Bible we will never be able to know the true foundation of our faith and let me encourage you to begin if you haven't already in understanding the forgotten discipline of apologetics you know if you and I study and 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 learn how to give answers in the in the context of the cultural questions that we have today we need to understand that seeing uh, our culture seeing it from the Bible first and then branch out in your knowledge into the the exciting discipline of Christian apologetics you will find that careful reading and studying will lead to the answer and assist you to defend the faith when those who challenge you or you'll be able to share with them share with those who challenge your faith and challenge the Christian faith and at the same time it's important that we understand that it's okay to get outside of our comfort zone. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's okay to get out of our comfort zone. That's what God wants us, and that's what God works. You know, when you do that, you may find out that there are questions that you might not be able to answer. You might find questions that, that you have not answered for yourself, and that is where those questions are going to help you be a better ambassador for Jesus Christ and go out because you can go and say well I had that question a while back and this is the answer I came to and then you're off and running and hopefully getting that person more closer to the gospel you know can I ask you a question what harm is it doing it this way I mean that's what people of the past did we are no different from them. So get involved in discipling somebody as well. That's another thought that just came to mind. If you get involved in discipling somebody, someone who is has a hankering for learning how to be a good a growing disciple in Jesus, the more you know about God, the more you love him. And the more um, that you want to see, the more you know about God, the more you love Him, and you want to see others come to know Him as deep as you know them, as you know Him as well. And this is what we call discipleship. And of course, you know, discipleship is going to dangle in the, the deep questions of our, of our Christian walk. And, you know, when we think about all of this, it is really just a wonderful walk. You know, I'm in car sales for now. And I, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people every so often, particularly my coworkers, that find out I'm a believer and they find out that I'm a former atheist and they find out what they ask why 
what was it that changed you? And I go and I start talking about how the Holy Spirit worked in my life. And he encouraged me to start looking at the uh, evidences for why Christianity is true. Go back even to being willing to go back and looking at the Gospels and seeing the credibility of the writers and Jesus' statements and then taking Jesus on in some of his statements and then seeing him, seeing the written account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the, in the Gospels. And then being invited by a couple young ladies back in 1980 to a gospel concert where Johnny Hall was the gospel evangelist, the music evangelist at Trinity Baptist Church in Brockton, Massachusetts on June 28, 1980. And God flipped the switch. He flipped the switch and I was off and running. But see, I wanted to know more why Christianity is true. That was part of my discipleship. And folks, I think the more you know about God, the more you love Him. And the more you love others is because you love God, you want them to come to know Jesus and know God as well and, and even better than you do. How's that? Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, you've been listening to The Real Issue Podcast, the podcast arm of Rob Lundberg Apologetics.com and The Real Issue Apologetics Ministry and the Virginia Center for Public Christianity. I want to thank you for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. As you go out this week, I want you to be able to go and articulate your faith. If you get a question, do not back down on that question. Don't get your fur on the back of your neck up. Basically what I'm saying, take this lovingly, don't be a jerk, but go out. And as you go, go out and, and, and give them the best answer that you can get. Uh, get get them to. But if you don't know that answer, tap into the resources that, that we've told you about and tap into the answers that will be able to go out and give the people what your desire is. What is that desire? Your desire is to go out and give them heaven. And as you do that, remember the show this week. Remember that the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry is self-supporting. We are looking to, for people to join our team. And if you would like to uh, be a support, you can go to our donate link at roblundbergapologetics.com, and we will have more for you next week. So again, go out and give them heaven. And we'll be back with you next week. Love bless. Mm -hmm.